Gracias por sintonizar nuestro podcast. Te habla tu servidor, el Pastor Mario. Esperamos que este mensaje te anime, te desafíe y hable a tu corazón. Disfruta el mensaje. So there's soaking and snacks and meals. And then we went to our eighth school. We were living on the farm with all those young people. And so, like Leonard said, he was like, I don't have time for this. And I was like, I get a break. <laughs> I was excited about it. But we'd come home every night. <coughs> and so they would look at us like, what'd you get? What'd you tell us? Like little birds. <laughs> and we're like, I don't know. We uh, had snacks. We took naps. <coughs> we, because I don't think people realize how tired they are. I, it's interesting when you've done your first A school, and people do seven, eight, and people are like, how do they do that many A schools? It's because, one, you're always in a different place. You can only hear so much. And so the next school, you're getting a new place and a new thing. And then, and we're also in a different place. So no, nobody in the room is the same. But I think that first A school, so many people just sleep. We've had people sleep the whole week. And we always say, don't worry, your spirit is always awake. We even encourage people not to take notes because we don't want your brain engaged. We're trying desperately to get something. We want you to be at rest. Like you can listen to the tapes later. You know, you just be present. You just, we're trying to create this atmosphere of rest and people sleep. It's exhausting being a servant. It's exhausting being a servant or a slave in your own strength, trying to earn love. When you realize your love, sometimes you do fall asleep. You do sit down, but you don't have to be afraid. You're not lazy. That fear that you'll be lazy or stop serving or they'll, who will do the child care? Who will do it? The needs that are screaming at us. You know, you want to do the thing you've been called to do. You know, they always tell you the need isn't the call, but it's hard, it's tricky when you're not, when you don't know who you are and you don't know what, why you're on the earth and the need feels like it's pressing in on you. Why not me? Why not now? And then you're tired and drained and a little bit cranky serving the babies. <laughs> As you come into rest, and you, as those holes in our heart become healed, and we, that, that container I talked about, that first love that we were meant to have gets solid, you do remember who you are, and you do find your place on the earth, and you're doing it with an energy that's deep and sourced in love, sourced in this, has no end, rivers of living water, And then you also get to honor your frame and say, I get tired. Because we say now we live in the overflow, it doesn't mean I still am, don't get tired. We still have to learn to say no. Just because someone's saying it, and you're the Father, they need this. You can become just as in the love of the Father. You can not be at rest. I don't want to preach a message. I want to be a message. I don't want it to be good words. I want it to have life on me. When Jesus spoke, life came out. He didn't speak words and then say, come up for ministry and I'll make it happen. No, when he spoke words, the room changed. Hearts changed. They encountered him. 
That's my desire, is that I allow him to, to do the work in me. You know, Paul says, what was wrought inside of me? I'm, I'm willing, like yesterday, that was an opportunity for me to meet me, to remind me who I am, to recognize the liar, the accuser of the brethren. Right? We don't want to come into agreement with the accuser of the brethren, not for ourselves or for anybody else. You know, remember, he's a self-appointed orphan. He chose it. He chose it. That just, I can't understand. He wasn't born on the earth. He didn't have the pressure coming at him. He didn't have imperfect parents. He was created in the, in the presence of Father. And he said, no, thank you. And a third of the angels went with him. Just, just blows my mind. Because I always think, man, when we get home, when we step into eternity and we're known as we are fully known and we know and all the stuff that's come off of us, all the pressure, all the sin, all the, we get to go, oh, of course, love me. We'll know, we'll be loved, we'll be free. They were not raised in any pressure. So I, I, in free will is ours, Right? Though it was from the foundation of the world he was slain, we can say, no, thank you. That's heart-wrenching to me. That we can come into agreement with him. He just wants as many of the babies to come with him. And he's a liar. And he's accusing. We don't want to come into agreement with that. I don't want to come into agreement with that. And I mostly come into agreement with myself. It's the mirror that I have to deal with first. Because I know even when I tried to raise my kids, like by a book, like reading books, because they didn't know how to do it, and I tried to do what they told me to do, but my kids feeling my spirit, which was fear, afraid of getting it wrong. And they, they were raised by a very inconsistent, anxious mom though I did the quiet times and memorized the verses. And that's the thing about not knowing who you are and reading other people's books. Instead of reading the book and going, oh, they found the perfect way that they were created to raise their children. Like, I didn't trust myself, so I just did it their way. But then when you read another book, you know there's another way. <laughs> then you're like, okay, kids, I repent of that. Next week, oh, no, I read another book. Oh, I got to do it this way. Just be you. <laughs> but I didn't have any confidence. I was looking for self-confidence. And the freedom that this revelation has given me is I don't have to have self-confidence. I have God confidence. His confidence. I'm confident in him in me. And he designed this with the personality and the emotions and the way I'm framed. He doesn't make any mistakes. And so coming into agreement with what, how he sees me and release that in my life, that changes everything. I'm not confident in me and my ability. And I was thinking about it. In my weakness, my weakness, he is strength, right? It's funny how I'm a most people-pleasing, I was raised as a very people-pleasing type of person. But I have a prophetic bend to me. I want to call forth truth. That does not mesh well with people-pleasing. But it's interesting because that's what the enemy wanted me to focus on, the need to please. But as I came into this revelation of love, 
and I knew I was pleasing, I, I, it's, it, it like hasn't gone away, but it keeps me going home, right? I think if, if I had all the gifts and talents and self-confidence, I would have been running the world. I never would have looked back because I thought I could do it, but because I didn't have that, it required me to go home, to keep going back deeper and deeper and deeper or else give up. Those are my two options. Check out or check in. Because he didn't give me it. I, don't, I, couldn't, I can't sing a song. I can't do the thing that seems like a great gift to the Lord. I had to offer myself. And in the, my weakness is his strength. It's the thing that pulls at you the most. It's usually where your calling is. The thing that's trying to disqualify you, that voice whispering in your head, is probably right in the place you're going to bring freedom in. Right? Because we receive comfort. We receive freedom. We figure, then we can release it. To the, and God brings in the right people with you, right behind you. We always say, we're just three-year-olds leading two-year-olds. Like, we're just a tiny bit ahead of you. <laughs> but I know as I fight for my freedom and I fight for who I am, I know it will be released in a room. And in an, it, I can speak, and nothing changes in this room, but I've left it in this atmosphere of this place. He's changing things, right? The emotional reality of Father loving you will begin to eclipse, become bigger, go deeper than the emotional turmoil in your life. His love for you will become the supreme reality. And I love that because it's not like you don't recognize that there's storms, right? You don't put your fingers in your ears and go, blah, 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 blah. No storm, no storm, no storm, no storm, no storm. There's storms. There's trouble. There's turmoil. There's stuff. I mean, you cannot deny it in living in this country in this day and age. Just turn on the news, any channel. Right? You don't have to deny it. It's to go deeper. When you become completely convinced that Almighty God loves you as a father, then no matter what happens around you, you'll be able to run to him and receive comforting love and tap into that deep inner peace, the Prince of Peace, that holds you steady in the storm. And I talked about that vision that I had, right? That was in 2014, the vision of the boat, and since that happened, my most troubling days were still ahead of me. You know, Kelsey continued to live a complicated illness. She eventually entered hospice and died a very traumatic death in 2018. And from the outside, it may look like everything got worse, but on the inside, I had a peace in the midst of it. I was able to be aware and draw on comfort from my father, who really is our ever-present help <laughs> in time of need. Within a year, you remember my favorite verse, the father of, right? Once I lived in that piece of rest, I was able to see the father showing himself in the midst of the storm, in the midst of and within a year of that dream, we were a vision. We were out of Vermont, at the, which was the very dark and unhealthy place. And we were in a new place. 
And Kelsey, for the last four years of her life, this is seeing the goodness of the Lord in the land I'm living in. This is it. This is what you guys get to, this is it. Because she ended up in a, a medical practice. They were all believers. They loved Jesus. Before that, they used to say, well, we were teaching our Christian ways on the side of a mountain. Like they'd go to Kelsey and go, we don't believe in God. And look at us. We're healthy. What's wrong with you? That's what she dealt with. That's what she battled. Not only battling disease and complicated, confusing illness, she had to battle that. And she would say, well, Mom, if they put me in a psych ward, then the psych ward needs Jesus. She just did her little piece, but it cost. Cost. But now she had these doctors who loved her, who prayed for her. Their churches prayed for her. They fought with her and for her. For four years. I remember the last, so probably November 2017, or the doctor called me, and I really hadn't had any. She was 21 when we moved from Vermont back to um, Kansas City. So she spent the last four years there, and um, she was an adult. So before that, she was a ped in pediatrics. And in pediatrics, a lot of times, doctors just talk to the parent. You know, even though she was ill longer than some of those young people had been practicing medicine, <laughs> they didn't talk to her, right? So it's when she became an adult in this new scene, she was, it was her practice, you know, she was going to go. So I sat, I drove and sat in waiting rooms, just waiting. But this doctor called me, and I never hadn't talked to any doctors. You know, this had been three years. And he called me, and I was, all of a sudden, I felt my tummy get super nervous because I hadn't dealt with doctors. And last time I did, it mostly was shaking knees and just waiting for the next shoe to drop. She had way more rest and faith <laughs> than I did. But this doctor called me and said, Mrs. Hayes, you know, I'm Kelsey's doctor, and I, I just want to ask you a question. And I'm like, okay. She goes, he's like, we, my church, our staff, we would like to send Kelsey to Disney World. <laughs> and Kelsey loved Disney World. She went with Make-A-Wish when she was younger. And she, she had a t-shirt that said, um, Jesus in my heart, Disney in my veins. <laughs> <laughs> she loved Disney. So for them to do that, like, they call, oh, we want to we surprise her. So bring her in the office on this day. We're going to surprise her with this trip. And I was like, oh! Okay, and I got off the phone and I just crumbled to my knees because I didn't realize how much I had been holding my breath, waiting for them to turn on her. I was wait I didn't know I was waiting until I got the release and I just crumbled. And then I took we took my my dad passed away that Christmas while we were in Wisconsin and we Kelsey was in the hospital there. And we, we, had a, we came home, and she was like, Mom, the day we're supposed to go to celebrate, to give her the surprise, she was like, Mom, I don't want to go see the doctor. I'm just, I'll just go next week. I'm sick and super grieving my dad because she loved my dad very much. And I said, oh, baby, uh, we need to go. I tried to make up a reason why we had to go. But man, the, the hallway was lined with all the texts with all the nurses, with all the nurses' aides. She was in the little room. She didn't know it. I came in, and her little doctor, he was so cute, he played his trumpet, When You Wish Upon a Star, as they opened the door and gave her this gift to Disney. Redeemed. 
redeemed. And Kelsey and I got to go by ourselves because Leonard was in China. So <laughs> they were, he kept saying, let's do it in the fall. And they were like, no, you have to make the trip now and you have to do it next two weeks. And Kelsey and I were like, hmm, wonder what they know we don't know yet. But we got to go by ourselves. And Disney is great for sick kids. <laughs> You know, they make a way, you know, like strawberries, chocolate-covered strawberries at her bed. She got to go see all the characters with her dog, Hunter. We have a million pictures of Hunter meeting all the characters. And he really, really loved Pluto the best. How did he know Pluto was a dog? Yeah. I don't know, but we had an amazing trip. We had an amazing trip. We had an amazing trip. Even with her passing, I mean, there was, it was, like I said, traumatic. Blood and seizures, high fevers. It was not... It was not, we sat around the bed, <laughs> and she went off. It wasn't that kind of journey. And I remember that morning I went for a run, because you know I grind and cry <coughs> when I'm running. <coughs> and um, I just saw this picture of Jesus at the cross. And I was like, oh, does she have to suffer her whole life? She gave her whole life to you. She trusted you with every moment. But in that moment, I just saw him. He turned to me, and he showed me Mary. And he said, don't be alone anymore. It's time. You need. You guys have been isolated and alone. So I knew even coming home, it was time. Because hospice is something you do pretty quietly as a family. And she wasn't, she was done serving. She was just ready, her body and her heart and her soul for eternity. And she wanted to spend her last days with her family, not ministering, not serving. So I knew even then, that Papa had me, and he was taking me into a new place. And when she passed, we had our celebration of life a month later, um, and we were driving to, this, to, the, to the place that we were having it, and I saw this vision. I don't have a ton of visions. I know you guys are getting them all. But <laughs> it sounds like I'm just constantly in heaven, but I had this vision, and it was the balcony of heaven. It was like a big balcony. And all I saw was thousands upon thousands of the cloud of witnesses and angels. And they were just stacked. And then all of a sudden, there was like a parting. And little Kelsey came walking down the middle. And they were honoring her. And, they, and she was coming to the balcony to watch us honor her. It was so beautiful. Such a gift. Right? such a gift to me, such a gift. And you know, there were times I got stuck, that feeling like at the deathbed, like what, did we do something wrong? You know how regret, regret oftentimes just keeps you hooked to the thing because you just aren't ready to let go. And I felt such, should we, did we, could we, what, uh, oh. and then I was sitting in Waco, Texas. A lot of things happened to me in Waco, Texas. I was sitting there and I had this, he dropped in this memory that I had of Kelsey back the year before my dad passed on December 30th, which is my birthday. <laughs> yeah. So, but Kelsey, we were, in, we were in Milwaukee, so we drove home, and she had a vision on January 3rd, and she saw Grandpa in heaven. And she said, Grandpa was so youthful, but I knew it was him, and he was running towards me. He said, Kelsey, come with me. So Kelsey ran with him, and they, he came to a table where Jesus was sitting at a table doing a puzzle. And my parents are always doing a puzzle. So they always had a puzzle going. Like, you, I'll do five pieces. You know, you always do that. I'll do three. And it just was a constant thing. And Kelsey, to Kelsey, it was like, oh, Grandpa is home and known and loved and with Jesus. 
But Jesus said to Kelsey on that day, she said, Kelsey, we need help finishing the puzzle. And Kelsey said it because she experienced it, but she just was so, just so at rest because she knew where Grandpa was. And Mother, who pondered these things, were like, why is Jesus telling us, Kelsey, she needs help, he needs help with the puzzle in heaven. But what, what he reminded me in December 30th when I was in this deep, she, had, she passed on October 3rd. But that day I was reaching out to someone, right? Because when you're little and you get stuck, you get to ask for help. And sometimes we need our brothers and sisters to remind us who have gone before us, who have known, who ha- have received comfort. So I wrote someone and she goes, oh, I, she goes, I understand. I've been with many people who have been birthed in the heaven, birthed in the heaven and that was the first time I heard that word and that the memory dropped in my mind of her seeing my dad in heaven so I got my calendar out January 3rd October 3rd it was literally exactly nine months from the time he said we need help finishing this puzzle to the time she was birthed in the heaven nine months so when when the enemy takes me back and makes me afraid or regret, God says, I knew the number of her days. I knew the number of her days. And he brought people into my life to mother me. I, I, RTF. I got RTF'd. <laughs> you know, someone took me back right to that day uh, at the, her deathbed, and Jesus came and wrapped me in his arms and looked at her and said, thank you for being her mommy. And then turned me and said, now it's time for us to move. It was my well done. (laughs) But I could look back and say, not well. (laughs) He said, that's not how I see it. And Kelsey, she left me a voice message. And all she does in her message, mommy, thank you. You taught me to feel my feels. But she taught me to feel my feels. But she sees it all reversed. You know, when you see from heaven's perspective, right? She goes, go, you run now. You're free. Fly. She said, ask your questions. Or ask new ones. Both our boys, they're, I would say they're, they're still writing their testimony. You know, they lived in that, her older brother's. And they, they're counting the cost. We use that word in the A school. They're grieving what was stolen, what wasn't given. You know, the church may look at them and say, they're living in pigsties. They don't know who they are. They don't know where they came from. But when I go into the father's lap as a mom with an ache, my rest isn't in the boys they are going to figure it out. My rest is in the father who loves those boys. I remember reading The Shack. Anybody enjoy that one as much as I did? Yeah. I read the book. Um, he's talking to Papa, and he says, it sounds like you're saying all roads lead to God. And Papa said, no, what I'm saying is most roads lead nowhere, but what I'm saying is I'll go down any road for my children. Wow. Right? So I can rest and ache as a mommy, but I have a deeper reality that those were his babies before they were mine. 
And he knew where I would be when I raised them. He knew what I had, what I didn't have, what we had, what he didn't. They knew what would go on with Kels. They get to count their costs. I don't have to be afraid for them. I get to be rest and trust him with his, their story. <coughs> and then this year, December 30th, we should just skip December 30th. <laughs> After Kelsey, no, you don't want to skip my birthday. After Kelsey passed, we didn't know where to go. We knew Kansas City, you know, that was for her. And we had been part of IHOP years before, but the last four years we had friends there, but that we were doing Father Heart, right? That season was over. So when Kelsey passed, it's like, where, where, do, where do we go now? We've been living our whole life either led by ministry or hospitals. So here we are, you know, in a new season. And Leonard and I kind of went to Michigan. We say we tried places on. Like, where do we want to go? How does this feel? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you figure things out when you're, you don't no longer have to just be obedient? When God asks you, what do you like? What would you like? What's the dream of your heart? I don't know how to do dreaming on your heart. Just tell me what to do. <laughs> go where no one knows the gospel. But we said, shepherd, our grandson. And our son and his wife, they were no longer together. So Lindsay was raising Shepherd alone, and they were in Denver. Oh, let's go to, let's go to Colorado. I said, Lindsay, do you mind if we stalk you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, my, girls, eat, you know, they're divorced. We're the ex-in-laws. She said, no, come, come. So we, come, we went to Boulder. We are outdoorsy people, Boulder, Colorado, at the foothills of the Rockies. Half hour from Shepherd, pick them up from school, take them to school sometimes in the morning, have them on the weekends. And then the COVID hit, so we were home all the time, no traveling. And he was home. Hey, we had a lot, two and a half years of Shepherd time. We made a home for him in that home. He had his own shelf with all his own food. He had Grandpa's chair. This is life. <laughs> he had his bathtub, mangoes, popsicles. He had his own bed. Stuffed animals were there. All his Nerf guns, wars, great house for wars. There was a balcony, so you can get all over. He had his Nintendo Switch, because mom said no electronics. But in our house, (laughs) 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 grandparents. They had a soccer net in the living room. (laughs) Yeah. Say no furniture, just soccer net. (laughs) Always ready. Well, it was so much fun. He, I, and he came, I, one of the great lessons, which I said this to someone yesterday or the day before when we were, I was praying over them, but it reminded me of it. Shepard runs a little anxious because he wants to please. Like, you know, when you're at a, a swimming pool, he's always looking at the lifeguard. He doesn't want to do anything that the lifeguard might have to correct him, right? So if he sees a lifeguard correct someone else, he's like very aware of that. So he was at, he's at our house all the time. He spilled something, and you can just feel it. I could feel it. I'm like, oh, Shepard, it's okay, because look at Grandma never cleans under that couch. That gives me an opportunity. I'll clean it. So I started cleaning under the couch, and oh, it's good. And then some other life happened, and he spilled again. I'm like, oh, no, look at those sides, the, you know, the sides. And I never clean that. That's an opportunity. I get to clean all this. Thank you. We'll get you new juice. And just kept saying it, saying the truth. Picking it up, move on. Not talk to him, not say anything, just tell him how safe he is by my actions in my heart. And then one day someone came and we were having, 
glass of wine and she hit it with her elbow. And Shepherd announces, don't worry, Grandma loves to clean. <laughs> it was an overflow, right? Don't worry, Grandma loves to clean. And he says all the time to people, I'm like, I don't think I love to clean as much as you think I love to clean. But <laughs> So I, always t I tell him, every time I, I speak, I always tell your story. Grandma loves to clean. It was a great season. I had lots of healing in our little home. And we created a home. We got to snuggle with Shepherd. We had to lay in bed at night and tell stories and hear his little heart. And then we were in Waco. Maybe we'll just avoid Waco. That's okay. We were in Waco this year, and I think most of you know that. There was a huge fire in the foothills of Colorado, and a thousand homes were destroyed. And one of them was ours. So all of, all of Shepherd's things, all of our things, and so we were just starting to buy forever things. You know, we'd been missionaries our whole life, and you're living with gifts that people give you, you know. <clears throat> so you're thankful, but now you're like, oh, we're adults. We'll buy, save, look, find, oh, that peace, <gasps> a forever peace. We just started saying yes to the earth, to home, you know. We're traveling, we'll go into the church, but we can have a home. And it's near, you know, Shep, it's, it's perfect. So all our forever pieces, all of Kelsey's things, all her journals, all the Christmas ornaments, you know, all the baby things. Like, we didn't have much because we traveled a lot. I had everything in a bucket, you know, of all the kids. But they were, I visited them. It was gone. You know, one day, ash, like this much, I mean, nothing. Like, it was 110-mile-an-hour winds and very hot. And then, you know, we were in Waco, super sweet. We were doing the Father's Embrace. We had, we, the house burned down on Thursday, and our ministry ends on Saturday. So we were still in the middle of it, you know, still in the middle. And so the next day we were doing, we were doing the Father's Embrace. And at the end of it, one of the, um, John, the pastor there, he's a big guy. Big, getting littler, but he's a big guy. <laughs> he loves food. Love those donuts. What are they called? Shipley's yeah. donuts, yeah. But he came to me at the end, and he said, we, we ask this question when we give the father's embrace normally. Can you be a little boy or a little girl who just needs to be loved? And he said to me, can you be a little girl that just needs to be loved? My first instinct is, no, I'm doing ministry. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just looked in those eyes, and I said, yeah. I can, and he hugged me. And in that moment, I just did the ugly cry. Like, I just felt the feels of my whole house just burnt down. <laughs> all the things, all my baby's things. And I just got to feel it, and I felt him embrace me. I felt Papa embrace me. Didn't take away the sadness. Got to feel my feels, but he met me there. And we went home, and we were able to stand in front of that house and thank him for it. What a gift it was. What a home it had become for us and for Shepherd. And we trust you. Beauty from ashes. Come on. This is going to preach eventually. I'm still waiting, but it's coming. <laughs> Come on. He's going to do it. And then he started to unwrap for me some of the little gifts, right? I'll see your goodness, Lord, in the land I'm living in, right? That song. I love that song. 
And I sing it all the time because he kind of taught me. He said, Leslie, Kelsey's journals and her songs, so many songs, they were all ways that her and I walked through some trauma. She didn't stay there. She walked through it. But you keep going back and visiting it, which is putting you back in the trauma. She's whole. She's healthy. She's a very busy girl. You are getting stuck. And I would never, ever, 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 ever throw out her journals, right? I would never have done that. I couldn't have done it. And so it couldn't kept drawing me back home, back to that. And, and it was gift. I'm not saying God burned down a thousand homes so Kelsey's journals wouldn't be in my house anymore, but I'm saying, yeah, the father of. He was there in the midst of that. And then Lindsay and Shep, we left them. We abandoned them, my grandma heart says. <laughs> and I just prayed. Phyllis and Denny were with us. And I'm like, pray for, pray for Shepherd. I don't want the enemy to come in and tell him how God is not good for him. God stole your grandparents, all your Nintendo Switch. I mean, I went out right that first day and got him a new Nintendo Switch. And now every month we send him a box of snacks because he had his own shelf. So we send him snacks. And he loves his box. But his mom was struggling. She's a, um, an herbalist, and so she worked at an apothecary. But they don't make, she doesn't make very much money, and they were really struggling. And she really was talking about maybe going to school, getting a nursing degree, which we would love to help her, but we, the world was opening up. And what did Leonard and Leslie do? We travel. So all of a sudden, that two-and-a-half-year COVID was over, and we were moving out. I wasn't going to be there every weekend. I could, how could I help her with schooling or uh, taking care of Shepherd when we're not there? I was feeling that angst. And so we, I'm like, I, I don't know what to do. But now we were not there anymore. And you know what she did? She went home. She lives with her mom and dad in Minnesota this year while she's going to nursing school. And Shepherd gets on the bus. He's an extrovert waiting to make friends. He made friends, said goodbye really well to his old friends, said hello to new friends. And Lindsay's got the support she needs, the consistency I couldn't have provided. And she probably wouldn't have chosen that if we were still there. Come on. And then all Kelsey's things, when she passed, I had a friend come and help us with um, preparing for the you know, the, the celebration of life. We were sort of numb. Like, she'd be waking up every day, Leonard, keep working on the video. Leonard, Leslie, she kind of moved us through the week. But Kelsey had T-shirts because she did camps. She used to run camps, and she went to Disney World, and she went on a trip with her grandparents right before she got sick, and, and Hunter was her service dog, so she had all the, you know, is your food been lab tested, all the cute dog service dog T-shirts. She loved T-shirts because she lived in the hospital. And I had all these T-shirts. She would save the ones from earlier. We had a little bucket of her T-shirts. And my friend's like, I'll take them. I'll, let me take them. Because I've seen people make um, quilts, right, out of T-shirts. And I was like, okay. You know, we were just getting rid of all the, me you know, everything was going. So she just put all that stuff in her car and called it a day. And then for the next, you know, two, well, we're four years. So three years she was going Leslie, I'm so sorry. I don't have time. I don't have space. I can't. I haven't made your quilt yet. I'm like, it's okay. Whenever you do it, it's going to be perfect, right? I don't know how to do it. I, I trust. It doesn't matter. Whenever you can do it. And then it's really interesting. This last year, she had a stroke 
my friend, my age, super healthy, all of a sudden had a stroke. And then we lost our house. Right? Both devastating trauma things. But then she had some friends reach out to her. They go, do you still have those t-shirts? I'm a quilter. And they took the t-shirts and they cut them all. And then they quilted them all. And they made four blankets. Leonard, Leslie, Christian, Nicholas. And, they, and I got them all. I have all, all of Kelsey's life. This wasn't her trauma. This was her life. These are the things that she enjoyed. And the thing is, if my friend had done the quilt earlier, it would have been in the house. Right? Father of. <laughs> Good. As I bow before you, Lord, right? I will rise in confidence. I'll see your goodness, Lord. No matter where I go, no matter where I've been. Beauty for my ashes is my expectation. And though I'm still in the midst of the transition, and though the feelings can still be stirred, I know where to run. And when I feel stuck, I have freedom and permission to reach out and ask others to remind me, to hold me, to cover me. Remind me, tell me where we came from. Tell me who made me. These things I have spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. In this world, everything that can go wrong will go wrong. There is a battle for your emotions. The world will throw everything it can at you. And the battle is won by opening your heart to the love of the Father. It's what Jesus brought you into. It's what he did this for. He carried it. He felt it. He wants you to feel it. Give it to him. Let him feel it and take it with him and rise you up into newness, into your father. As father's love goes deeper and deeper into your heart, you will be more convinced of his love for you and you will begin to automatically run home with all your feelings and feel your feelings with him. Allow him to come and comfort you with himself. And as running to him for comfort in the midst of your storms becomes your habit, and as you experience that comforting love, it accumulates inside of you, and it will change your emotions. You don't have to try to change them. You'll know it, because all of a sudden, it's gone. The fear. So when you feel fear, you feel anxiety, and you, want, you find yourself wanting to control or fix others to make your life better, <laughs> just see it as an invitation to run home. You can't change your emotions. Only love can change it. And it's his love. The world does need love, but it's not my love. It's God's love. It's, they're crying out for a father. You will begin to tap into the deeper reality of peace, the Prince of Peace, that you're not only immersed in, but indwells you. On that day, Jesus' words will become a deeper reality. He is in the Father. You are in him, and he is in you. He is in the Father. You are in him, and he is in you. This is where we live and move and have our being. This is where healing takes place. We are at home. Home is within us. 
And this overwhelming love will begin to overflow to others that have trouble. You too will be able to care for others in the midst of your storm, to offer the comfort you have received, to have mercy and empathy, offer forgiveness, to become a place of deep hope and joy, inviting others home. I can picture a day coming that the storms we once slept through will be able to stand up and say, peace. Peace. We'll be able to walk on the waves. And as we become peace, I believe we will be able to literally calm the storm. By being in the room, peace will come with us. And the atmosphere will change inside and outside. The reality is he is loving you right now. The adventure is to learn to experience that love more and more. That's the victory that overcomes the world. I just want to pray for you. we are yours we are your beloved you redeemed us (laughs) with your blood and on your hand is written out our name we are your beloved ones the father loves and your mercy has defeated all our shame we stand before you dearly loved children and we give you permission to love us we want nothing hidden we don't want to stop any of our emotions we don't want to act like we have it all together we want to come to you we want to be innocent and vulnerable and come home and allow you to comfort us to meet our deep needs strengthen us with your comfort to give us the courage to say yes to this day thank you father that you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus thank you that you said yes that you became a man And you carry your frame still. There's a human in the Trinity and we're in. But your goal from the beginning was to bring us in. And Jesus, you took it all. All of the sin, all the sin, all the ways we've missed the mark, all the ways we've let the liar and the accuser, all the ways we've come in agreement. You took it, you took it all. And all the sin done against us. All the ways that our innocence was stolen. You took it all. You took it all. You saw it all. You weren't weak and passive. You went before us. (laughs) And provided a way into wholeness. You didn't leave us orphans. You didn't leave us comfortless. You came to us. And Jesus, you took it. 
and it's dead. It's yesterday's news. We are now alive in your resurrected form, filled with the spirit of sonship. We say yes and amen to this gospel of peace and good news and joy upon this earth. It's all been changed. We are the full righteousness of God in Christ. The full righteousness. Help us to be deeper and a deeper aware of the reality. Help us begin to see with the eyes of our heart as we learn to open and trust you again. Give you space within us. Nothing hidden, nothing covered. So, Papa, just continue to love us. Pour out your love. Meet us in our journey and our stories. Prepare us to be an equally yoked bride to your perfect, beautiful son. Grow us up (laughs) in innocence. Grow us up. Grow us deep. Grow us wide. Pour yourself that your character and your nature becomes who we are. And on that day, we will be equally yoked in love, prepared for a wedding. It's good news. We are involved in a good story. that you revealed Jesus to us, Father. Thank you, Jesus, that you're continuing to reveal your Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're revealing any of the ways that you see the garden of our souls and you don't call it messy. (laughs) You call it beautiful. We just thank you. In positions of son, in son we pray. In Son, we rest that you hear us. That you always hear us. We release your goodness into our life. And we allow it to overflow into the lives that you bring into our circle. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we're going to do lunch. You want to take it? You want to take the mic? Okay. Pueden cortar la transmisión, por favor. Y vamos a hacer comida, pero antes de que comamos, vamos a vamos a cantar esa canción. Me gusta mucho también a mí.